Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. I am so excited today to have Josh Patrick, uh, Stage 2 Planning Partners owner, uh, serial entrepreneur and author joining us today. Uh, Josh, like I said, is a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with what makes a private business economically and personally sustainable. Uh, He's been a blogger for the New York Times, Inc.com, Forbes.com, The Huffington Post, and Open at American Express. Josh hosts the podcast, The Sustainable Business, and is a regular blogger and Facebook Live presenter. I had the joy of meeting Josh through a shared organization we belong to and had an opportunity to be on his podcast as well. Um, I'm excited for his upcoming book. It's due out in January uh, called Sustainable, a fable about creating a personally and economically sustainable business. Welcome, Josh, to Breaking Money Silence. Oh, thanks so much, Kathy. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you and, and bust your myth wide open. It's a definitely a new myth um, that we haven't addressed on the show yet. And so today you brought the myth, your business will get you to retirement by itself. So tell no, the audience it, a little it, bit as to uh, what motivated you to uh, bring that myth to bust wide open today. Well, the, first of all, your business will not get you to retirement by itself. That's the first thing. Um, and, and the reason I brought that today is because it's a myth that almost every business owner uh, has or at least dreams about. A lot of people, when they've been in business for five, six, seven, eight years, they start dreaming about the day they're going to be able to retire right off into the sunset and their business is going to get there all by itself. And the sad fact is for a few businesses, that will be true. And when I say a few businesses, it's several hundred thousand businesses. But there are 28 million businesses in the United States. Maybe a million out of that 28 million are really saleable for any money that would actually help you get to retirement. So what I've learned, and I've been doing this for a very long time, is that most business owners think they're going to retire based on their business, and that's just not true. So clearly you've seen it in action that people make the mistake of working really hard at their businesses, putting all their time and attention into that. And you've seen them obviously have difficult times transitioning to retirement from a financial standpoint, probably also an emotional standpoint. Um, is Before we get into how this gets in the way or how this can cause a problem for a business owner, can you talk a little bit about... Um, is there any way in which buying into the idea that if I work really hard on my business, I can then retire when I sell it? 
Is there any way in which that could serve somebody, in the, even if it's in the short run? Well, uh, it would, if it's a motivating factor, sure. But my experience, most business owners really don't think a lot, except every once in a while, about getting out of their business. They just think about, is their business providing enough money for them to live? And that's a huge mistake. Uh, because there's three other areas of profitability they need to pay attention to. And in most cases, business owners aren't even aware those three areas are important. So what uh, are the, the three the, areas, Josh? Well, the, the, the four areas of profit are lifestyle, which is affording a good lifestyle. The second is putting away enough money for an emergency fund because all businesses hit rough spots. And when you hit a rough spot, you can't expect your bank to come in and rescue you because they won't. The third is just having money for growth because businesses are getting larger, they're getting smaller, they rarely stay the same size, and no bank is going to fund 100% of your growth. And the fourth is having enough money to pre-fund your retirement using qualified retirement plans in an intelligent manner. You know, if the truth is your business probably isn't going to get you to retirement all by itself, you better be doing some other things and most business owners I know have excess cash flow while they're running the business and they don't use that cash in the most intelligent manner to help them get to their ultimate financial goals, which is being able to afford to leave their business, whether they leave it or not. So what are the mistakes you see business owners doing with that cash? Like, Do you have a story or two you can share with us as to how somebody kind of didn't use it wisely and the result? Well, it's not so much the mistake they made is that they think that, I mean, the big error most business owners make is instead of me pre-funding some retirement, I'm going to just plow all that money back in my business and I'm going to get this great return when it gets to, when it comes time to sell. I mean, that's if they think about it at all. Most business owners really don't think about what they should be doing with their cash. And in my, um, I just did a recent survey asking people, why do you want to become operationally irrelevant? And nobody answered, so I would have more financial freedom. Everybody was talking about personal freedom, how they spend their time. You know, people get into businesses and often they have this, you know, myth that they're going to be able to sip pina coladas on the beach and run their business from there. <laughs> yes. And the truth is, Starting a business is really hard work, and you're going to work 16, 18, 19 hour days for years and years and years. And lots of business owners never stop doing that. So it's really not a truth. It's just they you know, get into it and they're trying to get enough money to live, and everything else seems to sit on the sidelines. And frankly, most businesses never get past five employees. So uh, you're not going to build a sustainable business that's saleable, even unless you have at least 25 or 30 employees. I mean, you can sell a business with less employees than that, but you're going to hold a lot of paper, which means you can do owner financing. And owner financing is a very risky way to get out of your business. So let me play devil's advocate for a minute. Suppose um, you are a business owner and you say, well, I don't want employees or I don't want many employees. And I basically started this business because I want a certain lifestyle. Um, how do you respond to that, Josh? Is that, I mean, it, it, I imagine it's that those nothing, are businesses nothing, that aren't saleable. Right. 
nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, that's you know essentially my business I have right now. It's just you have to think about your business in a different way instead of thinking about your business. And this is from a financial point of view. It's not from a personal point of view. Uh, if you say, gee, I want to have a lifestyle business, which is what these smaller businesses are often referred to. Lots of people don't like that term, but the truth is you're building your business to support a lifestyle, not to build an economic entity that can be transferred. You have to tell yourself the truth. That's what you're doing. And too many times business owners don't tell themselves the truth. They have this myth that even though I'm building a lifestyle business, somebody is going to want to come in and buy my business, even though my business is 100% based on who I am. And without me, there's no business. They just don't believe that. Uh, and the truth is, that's, that is the truth. Now, do you see any split in gender, like in terms of women business owners versus male business owners and how they view their businesses? Um, only in the fact that women are relatively new in being business owners en masse. More business startups today are being started by women than by men. Um, and just the lifestyle starting a business. I mean, the first five years is a real struggle to make anything work. From years five to 10, you're building your business. And if you have skills from 10 to 30, you're growing your business to a, a, a pretty good size. There just haven't been that many women who have owned businesses for 10 years yet. Uh, I, I suspect there is no difference between that belief system between men and women. Uh, women probably are going to be more concerned about their employees. They tend to be when I, at all stages I've seen. And uh, they tend to do business a little bit differently, but the same money myths exist and the same money problems are there. Right, right. It's interesting because, you know, I, I definitely, KBK Wealth Connection is, um, I don't necessarily like this term either, but I think that's my ego getting in the way. It's more of a lifestyle business. I mean, I want to grow it, um, but certainly, you know, I am KBK and it's all around uh, what I do for a living. So <laughs> it's not sustainable. Um, it's sustainable, but it's not transferable, in my opinion. Um, right, well, so, it's successful. It's not sustainable. That's yes, the way thank I like you. To say that's, it. that's the word that I'm trying to come up with. And so, um, if somebody's listening in right now and they're saying, you know what, I haven't really thought about this as a business owner or I'm married to a business owner, uh, what are the you know, tips that you can give business owners who want to start thinking a little bit differently and, and um, you know, starting to bust through the myth that, oh, I'm going to just work hard and it's all going to work out? Like, What recommendations would you make for somebody who says, yes, I definitely want to grow a business and sell it uh, in the future? Well, if you want to grow your business and sell it, you have to make the business what I call sustainable. And a sustainable business in my world means it's a business somebody else would eventually want to own. Whether it's your kids, your managers, a third party, but somebody else would want to own it. And there's five areas of business sustainability. One is mission and vision. I mean, mission and values. All businesses have values. Whether you state your values or don't state your values is your, your choice. But businesses that don't have clearly articulated values mean that everybody in the business is making up what the values are of the business. So it's hard to get everybody on the same page if you don't do that. Two is you have to make the business owner operationally irrelevant. If the, you as a business owner are involved in the day-to-day -day operations of your business, you do not have a saleable business by definition because the business is around you. It's not around the processes. 
I had a vending company we built to 90 employees, and I sold it. It was relatively easy to sell because I was literally not involved in any day-to-day things at the business. I was involved strategically, but buyers never care about that. They only care about the cash flow and the operations. Third is having a recurring revenue stream. Lots of businesses don't have a natural recurring revenue stream, so you have to put that together through a sales process if you don't have one. Fourth is systems. If you're not going to systematize your business, people don't know what they're buying. Your employees don't know what they need to do for excellence. And your customers are not getting um, a consistent experience. So that also needs to happen. And then fifth is having enough profit, which we already talked about. So if you do those five things and you do them well, and there's lots and lots of subsets there, you're going to build a business that's sustainable and that somebody else is going to want to own eventually, which means it's likely to be saleable. So processes and standards, it's interesting because that's kind of where I'm at in my business um, right now is figuring out how do you uh, create some standards so people are getting a consistent experience, but also the people that work with you, uh, whether they are employees or virtual assistants, know what's going on. Um, Because as an entrepreneur, right, you can get very in your head when it's just you. You know what's going on, but other people don't. do you work with people around that uh, these different areas, Josh, yourself, or do you refer that work out? Or uh, tell me kind of what your role would be in in this type of uh, building of a business. Well I, well, I work with people about that particular. I, I do work with people on creating a sustainable business. My second business is actually called the Sustainable Business. So. Um, and, and the purpose of the sustainable business is to help successful business owners become sustainable. And that means changing your behavior. Uh, and for a lot of business owners, that's a very tough thing. I'm more successful with people who already started down that path. I have about 25 employees. Going from zero to 25 is much more difficult than going from 25 to 100 or 200 employees. And the reason is, The hardest thing that business owners need to learn is how to delegate. And most business owners do an absolutely terrible job at delegating. They don't delegate, they abdicate. And when that doesn't work, they say, oh, it didn't work. I can't do it anymore. I've got to do everything myself. And if you have a business with a bunch of helpers, which is what most businesses are, it is by definition not transferable because nobody else is going to be really interested in buying it. It doesn't mean that you can't sell it down the road, but if you do, you're only going to get 30, 40, 50% of your money in cash, and you're going to finance the rest of it to the buyer, and that's a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. My husband works for a uh, small business that's growing and eventually uh, hopes to uh, sell down the line. And so, you know, watching that process of bringing in a couple of employees and um, trying to figure out what they need next, that that is very um, exciting, but also, I think, on some levels, painful uh, to watch that process. So what you're saying is, you know, once you get over that hump, that's when you really, you know, when you have the 25 employees, that's when you have the, some of the systems in place. And it's really working at helping the owner Uh, have certain behaviors. Are are there certain, in addition to delegating and truly delegating, what other behaviors or traits do business owners need to have, Josh, in order to kind of get to this level where they are building a sustainable business? Well, and this is not a, this is not a hundred percent universal, but 
there's a personality of people who start businesses. And they tend to like new, bright, shiny objects. And they like to change things a lot. Um, that's fine when it's just you and a helper or one or two people. But as your business gets bigger, you have to be more mindful about how you go about changing your business. I mean, when I was in my early days of running my vending company, and I had 30 employees at this time, I'd be the guy that would go to a seminar, and during the breaks, I'd be on a payphone. And you may not remember what payphones are, but it used to be called payphones. Thank you for thinking I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd be the guy to go out there on the payphone during the break and start changing things in my company, and it caused complete havoc every time I did it. Eventually, my employees just started started ignoring everything I said, it wouldn't make any changes because they knew in a week or two I'd try something else. Right, right. So so I had to learn to slow down my great new ideas. And they had to become good ideas, which means I had to have a testing process, which I still use before I, I introduce a new idea into my life. The other issue is business owners don't like to say the word no. And if you look at successful business owners, they're saying no probably eight, nine, ten times every time they say yes. And if you don't say a no enough, you never have the capacity to say yes when it's the right time to say yes. I and, love that. Under- yeah. and understanding that issue is a really, really big deal. Um, I, mean, I could go on for there's like there, there's a few dozen things which seem to be coming up on a regular basis. Business owners need to be able to tolerate and work with mistakes in a positive manner. Most business owners like to blame their employees when they make a mistake. If you read any W. Edwards Deming, who's the father of quality control, lean thinking, all the stuff that's going on today in building quality in, he would say, don't blame the person, blame the system. Don't blame the person, blame the manager. And it's really true. Our employees don't come to work trying to do a bad job. They want to do a good job, but they're going to make mistakes. So the right way to handle a mistake is not to say, why did you make the mistake? You want to ask the question, what did you learn? And don't let your employee off the hook until you get some real learning that can be systematized so the mistake doesn't happen again. I love that. I'm going to have uh, the people that work with me listen to this podcast, definitely. And and I do think that the what did you learn when something goes wrong is, is such an important attitude shift uh, for people to have, because otherwise, well, for me personally, you could end up, you know, being angry every day a lot, as opposed to <laughs> saying that what an adventure entrepreneurship is and uh, how exciting it can be. And, you know, you're such a wealth of information, Josh. I, I feel like we could talk forever, but I want to uh, wind things down a little bit and let people or remind people of the book that's coming out uh, in January called Sustainable, a, favor, uh, a fable about creating a personally and economic sustainable business, which I can't wait to get a signed copy. Um, but tell people where they can find out more about your work or connect with you. Uh, cause I think that, that, uh, there's some people listening in that may just want to do that. Well, I'll give you a whole bunch of ways to find me. First of all, the book site itself is www.sustainablethebook.com. That's sustainablethebook.com. And there's a big button on the home page where if you go there now, you can join our Facebook group and learn more about it. I put a table of contents up. I'm going to be putting a couple of chapters up on the book, and we'll be having some other fun things going on 
uh, before the book launch itself, which is in the end of January. If you're interested in learning more about the sustainable business and create a sustainable business, you can go to www.sustainablebusiness.co. I've got a, my podcast lives there. I've got a bunch of videos there. I have a blog there. There's plenty of information to get around there. And if you want to just email me, just send me an email at jpatrick at stage2planning.com. That's the number two. And that's jpatrick at stage2planning.com. And I generally get back pretty quickly. Awesome. Well, you have been so interesting to have on the show and to be able to bust the myth open that somehow we can just work in our business and, and magically be able to retire as opposed to be really strategic about it and thoughtful. Uh, and, you know, I can't wait to read your book and, and pick your brain a little bit more if someday we do get out there skiing together, Josh. That would be great. I mean, the skiing is uh, actually pretty good as long as there's not a bunch of comic on the hill. Well, thank you very much for your time today and your expertise. I'm sure the listeners of Breaking Money Silence enjoyed it. You have a great uh, rest of your day. Thanks so much, Daphne. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at BreakingMoneySilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.